Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Yes, we are back. It's been a while since I've looked into the eyes of one Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, and we're happy to be back. Uh, we've had a gap in coverage here, which uh, if you've been listening to Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with Anthony and Bob Wankel uh, at BW Crossing Broad, uh, Anthony has taken a, uh, a few shots across the bow about the fact that uh, this podcast has not gone up recently. And so uh, I'm going to take my, my moment here on the, uh, the bully pulpit to, uh, to face off with a man who, uh, well, momentarily uh, I had teamed up with on a game that I had never heard of called HQ, right? I cannot believe that you've never heard of HQ, Russ. You are like so in touch with like everything that's trendy. And HQ kind of uh, has been around now. I don't know. I would say about f- six months, maybe, um, maybe even a little, even a little bit longer. I've been aware of it for the last six months. Um, and basically, what well, all it is a free app. You download it to your phone, and every day at three o'clock in the afternoon and nine o'clock at night, um, there's a trivia competition where you can win money on your game on your phone. All you have to do is get every question correct. Usually they ask 12 questions. Sometimes they ask more than that and go 15. Tonight was a special eight questions for uh, for $88,888 because it was sponsored by the movie Ocean's 8. Get it? Um, And we got seven out out of eight. We almost, we almost, we we got tripped up by freaking Andy Warhol. (laughs) The most amazing moment of the night, and this tells me I think all I need to know about the people who played this game is they presented three possible words and they said which one of these is from german and it was uh noodles waffles and what was the other one it was something dumb it was something french vinegar oh it was uh, vinegar vinegar so it's like vinegar obviously not waffle stupid idea it's dutch and of course that led us back to noodles and of course the german word for noodles is noodle yeah noodle yeah everybody everybody knew that anyway so we teamed up for that and uh even though anthony's been upset that we haven't been uh doing this podcast and i've been upset i haven't had my hockey fix you know a lot has happened in the hockey world since the last time we uh, recorded an episode i believe we're now two behind most of the shows and three behind crossed up at this point so uh, uh, we, i thought we've got we some only missed, up to i thought do. we only missed like a week and a half no I, I think we missed a full two because uh i just well, we... uploaded as of recording this i had just uploaded crossed up and that was episode 11 we are at episode eight of snow the goalie yeah, so I think we what, are, I, what we ended behind. up happening. What ended up happening was is we had that. What had um, happened was what had happened was we ended up um, we missed a week, and then when we recorded the one the week after, it was three days after we normally record because when I think we recorded it on a weekend, and so then we missed another week. So we only put up one in the past three weeks, but but it's really not been as long as the layoff is. It's just kind of the way the days fell, right? Yep. So that's why. But uh, no, the reason why, and, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put this out there. The reason why. Yeah, no, no, Careful, I got, yeah, we're good. Um, Careful at Ann Philly. <laughs> we have been, um, I've been working with the Flyers to procure um, a really awesome guest uh, for the podcast. And we shot for those stars right off the bat. Like I, I didn't want it to be, you know, oh, okay, we're going to get, you know, uh, some uh, yeah, we're gonna get Dale. Brandon Weiss. Manning. <laughs> He's not even a member of the team anymore. I would love get... to ask your Terra questions. Yeah, about, right. Exactly. You know, so who he has pictures of. Right. So we didn't we didn't shoot. You know, we didn't you know settle for for the bottom of the barrel. We wanted to go full bore. 
So we've put I've been putting the request in, and I keep sending you uh, the text updates from the Flyers PR department. They keep saying, no, hey, we haven't forgotten about you. We're still working on it. We're still trying to make this happen, and you know it's going to happen. Don't worry about it kind of stuff. And so each day it gets put off. It gets put off. And I feel bad. Like I keep following up with them. You know, they're in their off season. They're preparing for the draft, and you know, I keep following following up. Like, hey, you know, <laughs> what's going on? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to. Hold on, hang in. We'll get to you. You know, so we've had a couple of almosts, and then it didn't happen. Um, but it's going to happen. So it, it, the point is, is that that's one. That's the reason we've had this gap in in podcasts. Um, but I do promise the the listeners that once we get the guest, you'll be very thrilled at who we get. I agree. Knowing who that person is, I'm I'm very excited. I have to ask him or her a lot of questions, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, her? since I since well, since I brought up her, you know, I, I do think it is important that I point out to some of the fans who may not be aware of this, but Kate Smith did pass away many years ago, so it will not oh, be Kate Smith. You got to go back to that angle, don't you? Well, it's been it's been a few weeks. I can't let that die. Yeah, uh, no, it's a shame. That was, that was kind of distasteful, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, speaking of dead, uh, it looks like the Vegas Golden Knights are are at death's door, uh, down three one in the series to Washington in a series that was. A, uh, a Holtby ridiculous stick save in game two away from being uh, a a 2 nothing, uh Vegas lead. Or I would at least argue that, you know, that game would have gone to overtime. And I think Vegas would have would have pulled that one out. And instead, they're they're staring down a 3-1 deficit against a team that right now, uh, at least in the last two games, has appeared to outclass them in, in many ways. Um, what are what are you seeing so far? It it definitely appears as though we've we've had a uh, a massive shift and maybe some of the uh, the magic of this Cinderella run for Vegas the golden glitter is starting to wear off. Um, what's go- what I've seen so far is a Washington team that is playing with great confidence. Um, uh, it, it's it's really just playing to an, another level right now. Um, and that's not, it's not something that I ever really expected out of this team. I mean, they've always had great talent, right? And you've, we've thought in years past that the Capitals were a really strong offensive team, maybe the best offensive team in the playoffs. And they never really could get that, um, you know, they never could go anywhere because they couldn't stop anybody. They didn't have good goaltending or they didn't have great defense. And it was, it was a bit of an issue. Um, and then it turns out that, um, you know, they, they bring in Barry Trotz as, as their, um, a new coach, and he is a um, a real defensive-minded coach. I mean, he was the guy that kind of built the Nashville uh, group up that eventually went to the Stanley Cup last year with Laviolette as the coach. Um, and and you know, but he was going to instill this defensive system, and so you kind of expected it to happen relatively quickly. Well, it it. it it didn't. It got better, but it still wasn't good enough because the Capitals kept losing to the Penguins in the playoffs the last couple of years. And so it was like, okay, well, they're not going to get past Pittsburgh. They're never going to win. And then this year, when their expectations were not there for the first time, they finally got past Pittsburgh. They outlasted a Tampa team that, frankly, is a better team than Washington, but Washington was a, played better in that series. And now they get Vegas. They lose game one, and you think, okay, all right, the Caps are just going to fold now like, they, they, like they usually do, and they didn't. They, they actually bounce back, and they're, they're showing a lot of character, and they're beating Vegas at Vegas' own game. Um, they're just faster right now. They're quicker to the puck. They're, they're, they're doing all the little things right, and they're playing like a team that's on a mission to win a championship. And 
I don't think Vegas is dead. I think Vegas has the ability to, to actually get back into this series. You know, Game 5 is going to be back in Vegas. I, I kind of like Vegas in Game 5. So it's really going to come down to, in my mind, what happens in Game 6. If Vegas can somehow pull out Game, game 6 in Washington, then all bets are off. But I think that's going to be really hard to do. I think that the Capitals will probably win their first Stanley Cup ever. Um in uh, Game Six, which would be uh, let's see, uh, Wednesday, there, Friday, right? Friday night. It was is what that would be. So, um, yeah. So I think uh, I think that's it. And it's yeah, I've been wrong all the, the entire playoffs. I don't know. I don't know what the heck's happening with this playoff season. But um, I I would have picked Vegas, and we didn't have the, the podcast to do it. But I would have picked Vegas to win um, this series. And here they are down three one. So what the hell do I know? Uh, apparently not a lot, Anthony. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's time to uh, hang up the skates. I think it's yeah. uh, it's all over. If yeah. if you are if you're proving to be very unknowledgeable about the NHL playoffs, what what am I doing here? What are so, any of us know, doing here? So, yeah, here's a, here's a here's a funny thing. I think I've mentioned before. I have a, a buddy of mine who's a degenerate gambler who reaches out to me um, every all all the time for hockey bets, um, and he usually is like huge reaching out to me when it's um, the playoffs because that's usually when I do well picking games for him. And he just freaking stopped <laughs> this year. He just stopped texting. Me. I didn't. Even get, I haven't gotten a text in a week and a half from the guy because um, I think I gave him the the lightning to win last series. The last series, I think he probably loaded up on it and then lost. And so I haven't heard boo from him uh, during the entire final. And it's just been a bad year. I mean, I usually do well in the playoffs, picking the playoffs this year. Not at all. Not in the least. So. Um, it really has been, you know, yeah. looking back at the bracket and looking back at the way that that everything has kind of played out. It 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 certainly has not gone the way that I think anyone would have expected. This this Washington team, for a lot of the reasons that you kind of already broke down, is not some team that I, I think I think that anybody thought was, uh, um, you know, going to be a, a team that you'd want to throw a lot of money behind, especially with all of their past issues in the playoffs. I did see this thing, and I, I wanted to make sure that that we talked about this really briefly. I couldn't help but notice that there was a, a somewhat vocal contingent of Flyers fans, both on Twitter and on Facebook, that have been saying that this is further proof that the Flyers blew a, a great opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. And it's this like false equivalency that, you know, if you had beaten uh, Pittsburgh, you certainly would have been able to then go and beat Washington in their minds because... Uh, if you think back to the first round and when we were talking about, you know, what team did the Flyers match up the best with? A lot of people thought that the Flyers matched up uh, better with Washington than they would have with Pittsburgh. So the idea was, well, if you get past Pittsburgh, you know, you would have ended up playing against a team that you probably should have beaten in Washington. You go on to the Stanley Cup final and, uh, you know, you would probably be up on this Vegas team because, of course, you would. And I don't understand where, where these people came from or how how they can possibly, you know, uh, taking the world through their orange and black tinted glasses, but like, what are people thinking? I, I don't, I don't totally get this line of thinking at all. I, yeah, I, they, you're absolutely right. Um, they're out of their minds because the Flyers this season were nowhere close to the Penguins, and we knew. And the, but here's the thing: like, we knew the Penguins were flawed. We talked about it on this very podcast. Um, uh, they. they they were ripe for the pickings. The Flyers just were not good enough to beat them. So if the Flyers weren't good enough to beat a team in Pittsburgh who was ready to be beaten, what makes anyone think that they could have beaten Washington or Tampa or Vegas? 
I mean, really, the teams got better as they went along. They struggled against a Penguins team that was not good enough to win past the first round. And these fans suddenly think, oh, my God, they could have made a great run if they would have just beaten the Penguins. They had no, no prayer. They had no shot at beating the Penguins, nor if they got lucky to beat the Penguins did they have a chance to go far. Look at how Washington's playing in this playoffs. I mean, Ovechkin's been fantastic. I don't know what makes anyone think that they could have then beat Washington. I thought Washington was a good matchup for them in the first round, but that was coming off of the regular season. The way Washington's played in the playoffs, no one's beaten them. I mean, they're going to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> so, so it's not your Fast forward a week from now when, yeah. when Vegas <laughs> is hoisting the back. Stanley Cup. You know and what? We've it, now taken three weeks off as we right. wait for the Flyers <laughs> to get us that big special guest who turns yeah. out to be the granddaughter of Kate, of Kate Smith. <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be something if Vegas did come back and win this? Uh, you know, oh, my that God. Would, it would be like such okay. a great underdog story. I mean, it's a great underdog story oh. to begin with, but now you could be down 3-1 and come back and win in seven games. That would be unbelievable. Would I put it over the Leicester City thing that you and I argued oh, about a while back? Again. No, of course I, of course I wouldn't. But, uh, no, it, it would be fantastic. I mean, the, the thought did go through my head. As I was watching game four, uh, and it was very clear uh, right off the bat that this was going to end up being a, a Washington resounding victory. Uh, I was interested in, in the third period. We'll get back to that in a second about the uh, the possible running up the score and, and all of the, the combat at the end. But um, yeah, the, the thought did pop in my mind. I was thinking about um, when Oklahoma City blew a 3-1 lead to Golden State uh, on their way, you know, as uh, the Warriors went on to win the title. That kind of thought for some reason went through my head. Uh, you know, obviously a different sport, but um, there, there was something... I don't know, something really weird about the way that the series has gone. I mean, now it goes back to Vegas, and, and Vegas plays extremely well at home. I would expect them to win game five. And, you know, I think if you're Washington, I, I you know, it's, it's I guess, too cliche to say that it's a must-win for you, especially because it's a road game, and then, obviously, you just have to win the last two. But I do think a lot of that pressure and some of those skeletons in the closet uh, of the Capitals kind of has to start to rear its ugly head, right? Like yeah. if. If Vegas wins this game, you're 3-2. You have all the pressure as the home team to clinch it because you know that if this goes back for a Game 7 in Vegas, it is not an easy place to play. It's been a place that teams have had massive difficulty you know, coming out victorious. And the idea that you're going to you know, be able to, ch- to shift the momentum of the entire series at that point um, seems kind of illogical to me. So, you know, it, it's stupid to say that a, a Game 5 is uh is a must win necessarily but i i don't know i i feel like uh there's plenty of things that can start to go wrong and yeah man will the media start to turn on them within their own town if they uh you know show up after getting shellacked by vegas uh in in vegas yeah no you're you're absolutely right and the, and the thing the thing of it is is that and it happens a lot in hockey if you look back if i mean i know teams that have, have been up three one i think have won i want to say it's 19 straight series if I'm not mistaken, in the NHL. Anyway, if, but if you look back over time, um, teams get up 3-1. How many times game five is won by the by the losing team, the, the team is trailing? It happens a lot. Uh, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it happens a lot. And it's because teams have a tendency to get a little laid back. They, they tend to, they, it's not that, you know, they don't want to go out and win the Stanley Cup that night. I, I think that they just kind of think, 
all right, we don't have to go pedal to the metal. You know, we just have to play within ourselves and play our game and everything will be fine. And the other team is playing with a little bit more desperation. And so they jump out on you. And now all of a sudden you're chasing the game. And now the thoughts are creeping into your head. Oh, geez, if we lose this game, then we're in trouble because then we have to win the next one at home in front of a rabid crowd. You know, so all those thoughts start sneaking into your head like you were like you were pointing out. So I, I think that it happens more often than, than you would think, that a team trailing 3-1 does win game five. Um, so that, that wouldn't be a big deal. To me, it then comes down to the game six, and I just don't see why. I, don't, I think this Washington team has, is playing the way that it needs to play to win a Stanley Cup. I, I can't at this point, and maybe I'll be wrong one more time in the playoffs, and Vegas will come back and win this series in seven, but I just don't see how they can win game six in Washington. Washington dominated them in both games down in, in D.C., and I, I don't know that Vegas has what it takes to come in into Washington and win that, win that crucial game um, with the cup on the line. I don't see it happening. Were you surprised by the uh, the scuffle in the third period? I, I think it was when the score was 5-2, I want to say, or it was 4-2. I think it was 5-2, and um, Washington rolled out their number one power play unit and it it rubbed Vegas the wrong way. There ended up being a five on three that eventually Washington ended up scoring on. But all the announcers kept talking about was the idea that, you know, Washington was clearly trying to send a message that they wanted to run up the score on Vegas and Vegas took exception. And it was kind of setting the stage for what should be a very contentious game five in the grand scheme of hockey, in the grand scheme of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do you think that was kind of taken out of context? Do you think it was kind of blown out of proportion by the announcers or or is this something where you know, you really think that Washington was trying to make a declarative statement that the series is over in their minds. No, I, I, I don't think that's the case. I think Washington is at a point where they sit there and say, this is the Stanley Cup final, and a three-goal lead is not safe at any time. Um, it's like so five minutes left, though, right? It, it doesn't matter. It, it, see, it's that kind of it's that mentality that if you say, ah, oh, we're up three goals, we can just put the other guys out there. Then all of a sudden, you know, they don't play a lot of minutes together or whatever, and um, Vegas is pushing now. Maybe they steal a pass. They go down shorthanded breakaway. Now it's a two-goal game. Now they pull the goalie, right? Now it becomes the, now they, the advantage is on in Vegas' favor, and they could, you never know. They could tie that up. I've seen it happen. So, and look, if it's 7-2 if it's to two and they do that, then maybe I think you have an argument. But five to two, three goal lead is not safe enough. I'm sorry. Not in the Stanley Cup final. Not really not ever, but I mean really certainly not in the playoffs. Um, so for Vegas to get a little annoyed by that, I mean that was not, that's not like they weren't, there was no gamesmanship there by Washington. I think that they looked at it and said, this game still isn't over. And so if we, you know, we get one more, then it's over. But if we, you know, so let's send these guys out there and let's put it away. We're trying to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, this is, you know, there there is no, you know, unwritten rules in the in the playoffs. This is this is the playoffs. This is what the game this is what it's all about. This is you're tr- chasing that silver chalice. This is what it mat when it matters. I I have zero problem with what Washington did. The fact that Vegas kind of was a little ruffled by it is just them because they're a little annoyed that they're losing. And, of course, the media blows it out of proportion. I mean, 90% of the media that's covering the Stanley Cup Finals are from Canada where everything is blown out of proportion. So, it, it yeah, I, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but I'm not surprised by it. So, uh, according to the schedule, it looks like by the time we record next week, typically a Wednesday night or a Thursday we could very well be sitting here with uh, our tail between our legs as Vegas wins Game Seven and wins the Stanley Cup. That uh, that game is uh, Wednesday, 
June 13th. So uh, I'm certainly hoping for more for more action. Uh, as somebody who likes both the NBA and the NHL, uh, the NBA finals have been an absolute disgrace, and they are probably not going to get any sort of competitive going forward. So I'd like to see one of the finals at least be someone interesting for you know more than five or poten- or four or potentially five games. So yeah, um, I mean it could, it could. I mean I like I don't think Vegas is out of it. I really don't. I don't think that they're just gonna you know go away. I mean it, you know they they got their season on the line and everything that they're they're a great story and everything and they're gonna they're gonna find that you know fortitude to come forward and and give a great game especially since it's on home ice in front of their fans i i don't see them laying down at all so i i think vegas is going to is going to make it a series and and that's washington if washington can win three straight there's no reason that vegas can't no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right winning three straight games in a playoff series is not hard winning four in a row is hard winning three in a row i mean it's hard but it's not as hard as you as you think yeah okay so, I agree. So there yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, come back to our hometown Flyers. Well, it is a Flyers podcast. After it is all, a Flyers Ross. podcast, which we've led off with uh, what trivia, a trivia game. We talked about our gap and our our guest, he or she who will be our guest, <laughs> the best guest of all time. Believe me. So great. Actually, many people have told us how great this guest will be. So, uh, all right, uh, let's get around to some free agent targets for the Flyers. Um, we were kind of talking about this off air, but the Flyers going into next season as of right now, as the cap currently stands, without any kind of offers being made to restricted free agents at this point, sit on about $17 million in cap space. Of course, there have been some some massive names that have been going around, both via trade and free agents, and we talked about them a while ago. I think we talked more about trade targets, and just in case somebody might have missed the episode where we kind of discussed that, just kind of want to break some of these down um, and and some potential names. Obviously, the the biggest free agent to hit the market this year is going to be John Tavares. Um, I, I looking at his contract now and kind of projecting out, um, you know, how much I think he can end up making. He's he's easily going to make double digits, right? going into next season. Like we're probably talking in contract in like the neighborhood of 10 million per year. Fair. Yeah. That's a, that's probably right. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're fair on that. Yeah. So then I guess, you know, you end up in a scenario and this is one of the things, uh, you know, as we were talking before the, um, the, the cap and the way that we should probably responsibly go about this, um, needing to put aside a few million dollars, let's say on the, the highest end, maybe like two and a half, three million dollars aside in case any of the guys who are currently uh, non-roster players make it up to the big to the big team. Um, that leaves you with roughly uh, 14 and a half million or so. Uh, if you're going in, into next season, do you want to have, uh, you know, as great as Tavares is, do you want him to eat up 10 million of your, you know, 14 and a half million? Is it something that you would be interested in? Is it something that can shift the balance of power in the conference so much in your direction that it's worth that much of your cap. Um, I yeah, it's worth it for a guy like John Tavares. It really is. Do I think that the Flyers are going to be in on John Tavares? I do not. Um, and that's not because I don't think that he would be good here. I think he'd be great here. Um, but I just think that the Flyers are not. John Tavares has to play on your top line. And I, I don't know if you're, you know, do you need, do you need another top line center? I mean, you have 
Couturier had the breakout that he had. He's going to be a he's a Selkie finalist, and you already have Giroux up there, and you're probably going to have Voracek up there if, or Konechny. I mean, really, where where does Tavares slot in? He's got to play top line. He can't be a second line guy. And I and I don't want to see you move um, Couturier down because if you move Couturier down and you take him away from Giroux. He's not going to put the offensive numbers up that he put up this year. So that's the thing. I mean, Couturier has to play where he plays. He's going to be successful there. Um, and he's always got to get there. It's just that if you bring in Tavares as a, as a top-line center, then you're bumping Couturier down, and he's reverting back to what he was previously, and that's not enough. That You need more out of him. So I don't think Tavares is a great, great fit on the, with, the, with the, this team, how it's currently structured. Um, I mean, look, I mean, you can always make anything happen, right? You can always find a way, you know, it's a good problem to have, right? All those, all those phrases. I just think that the Flyers are committed, um, general manager Ron Hextall is committed to a certain formula that he wants to use to build this team. And he wants to, you know, wants all the best players to be their young players. Um, and, uh, you know where does Nolan Patrick go if you bring in a Tavares? Nolan Patrick drops to your third line. He's not a third line guy. He becomes you know, so a there's, wing. Yeah. He becomes a wing, like all great uh, young flyer centers yeah. do at some point in life. No, right? I don't. I don't the see Braden it. Shen experiment once again. <laughs> I don't see it. I just think that I just think that it's not the right thing. It, the the Flyers have other needs, and that's you know as great as it would be to play fantasy hockey and get John Tavares into a Flyers uniform. I, I don't see it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a name at you that's got big money that that could fit this Flyers system a little bit better, and and he probably will, won't make as much as he's been making, uh, only because he didn't have as great a year. But I think he fits really well as Rick Nash. Hmm. I I know that doesn't excite you as much, but I think Rick Nash as a winger, I don't hate it, as yeah. a winger fits and can play on your second line. Um, he could play power play. He's a, actually a really good penalty killer, which is something the Flyers need. Um, and he's 33, so you probably don't need to go. You don't have to sign him long term. Um, I think his uh, cap hit last year was 7.8. So uh, you know you probably get him in the in the six five range. And I think if you're willing to spend that money, that that's that's a reasonable expectation. I, if you know. If you want to go, if you want to go the winger route, I think that that's that's reasonable. But Hextall said at the end of the year that he wants a um, a center who can play, who could be who could kill penalties, and that's on offense. That's kind of what they're going to be looking for. So um, you know, Nash isn't really that center. I mean, I think you can find a way around it, but um, you know, I, I, he might be going something even smaller when it comes to the, what he's looking for on offense. So I want to throw this out there because I know that there are plenty of people who have been, you know, kind of to what you were saying before, playing fantasy hockey with Tavares. Um, for for that money, if it's me and I'm trying to figure out a way to to kind of prevent the team from going into salary cap hell for the next seven or eight years, I don't want Tavares. I, I just don't. As a player, would I love to have him? Yes. But as I look at the Flyers' cap projections going forward... You know, we're a year or so removed from an offseason where we thought that Jake Voracek was on the downside of his career. Voracek is 28. Uh, Kovalchuk is currently 27. He'll be 28 when the season starts, and Voracek will be 29. Uh, Voracek is still on the books. He doesn't come off the books until 2024-25. 
you still have four years of Claude Giroux making uh, just under $8.3 million per year. You can't afford in the middle of a rebuild to go and continue to like add to a top-heavy uh, offensive core. It just doesn't make sense. He's not young enough. If he, if he were a 22-year-old guy that were hitting the free agent market for whatever reason, then I, at that point, I'm, I'm fine with throwing out you know, the, uh, the can't-refuse um, possibility, like throwing out the, the biggest contract you possibly can. Like, that's fine. Go with the Mike Richards special, like the 10-year or whatever deal. But like looking at it, the Flyers' salary as, as currently constituted, you've got two guys combined that are making, what, $16.6 million of your cap between Voracek and Giroux. It just doesn't make sense. If it's me, I would rather see them go after two wingers. And I said before that, you know, I'm a big fan of the idea of going after Ilya Kovalchuk. I don't know what he's going to make. I don't know if you'd be interested in playing for the Flyers. But if I'm looking for somebody who I know can, you know, put a puck in the back of the net, somebody who's certainly going to be had on a short-term deal, you know, if we're talking about a one or a two-year contract for Kovalchuk at 35, like I'm fine with that. Um, And to kind of add on to Something like you were kind of proposing with Rick Nash. I mean, if if I'm going to spend anywhere between ten and, and twelve million dollars against the cap next year, you know, all it takes is a Wayne Simmons trade away to clear about four million off your cap for next year. You can probably get some kind of asset back, which is good, um, in either a young player or a potential draft pick, or you know, as part of a moving up in the draft. I would rather see them go in and you know bring in two vets. Bring in two vets like now. I know Kovalchuk has had some some issues, uh, you know, with being a, a bit of an arrogant guy and walking away from the league in the past. But you know, there's still something to be said for uh, being a consummate professional in in terms of preparation for games, like Kovalchuk has been. Kind of like the way that Yager was a uh, great mentor for both Voracek and Giroux at, at his point. And I think Rick Nash can kind of serve a, a similar role for some of the young guys on this team. And if you bring both of those guys in, you're, you're bringing in two guys that know how to score in a variety of ways. And, you know, is it is that fantasy hockey? Absolutely. But if I'm if I'm looking at, you know, using the cap space that you have available to you without crippling you long term, like the, those are two moves that, you know, if we unite together here, like we did in that HQ game, I think um, I, I think it's. <laughs> It's not totally plausible, but man, it, it would make a very dangerous team and a very deep team if the, yeah, at that. Except you won't, you still won't have anybody on defense because if you're signing those two guys, you, you're not going to have enough money to sign somebody on defense. So that's that's another thing to keep in mind. I mean, so if you you can get one, you can get one of those names, and if you do, then you're going to go a little cheaper on defense. Or do you go after a bigger name defensive player and maybe find a depth forward? I think that's really that's all they're going to do. I really don't think they're going to go more than two players here. And um, uh, you know, the guys I a guy I like, of course, uh, on defense is John Carlson, um, who's playing currently right now in the final for the uh, for the Capitals. I think he would be a nice addition to the blue line. Um, he's going to he's going to he's going to get a raise. <laughs> I mean, he's he's twenty eight. He's a right hand shot, which is rare. Um, 67 point guy defenseman plays 25 minutes a night and his cap hit currently is under 4 million. So like there's a guy that, you know, is, is going to get big money in the off season and probably sign even a longer term since he's only 28, he's probably going to sign a five year, six year deal. Um, so if you go, do you go big on the, on the blue line and then you go something smaller, uh, uh, on, uh, on up front. But another name, and I, I think I threw this out on an episode earlier, that I think is uh, more realistic. 
the New York Islanders have a defenseman who's 27, who's now an unrestricted free agent, who barely played this past year because of injury. His name's Calvin DeHaan. Um, I know the Flyers like him. I knew they liked him when they when he was available to be drafted. I know that they've thought, you know, they've they've liked him for a long time. Um, not a not a big offensive minded defenseman, but a real solid, smart defensive player can play twenty minutes. He could be on your second pair. He made three point three last year. Um, probably needs a slight raise, but not a huge one. Um, I think you can probably get him in that. Three eight four, maybe four two at tops, um, and, and I think that's the kind of guy that the Flyers are going to look at. If, if if I'm just guess, if I'm guessing where Ron Hextall's thought process is, and that's and that's not a bad move. I think that's a it's a guy that would fit, um, fit nicely and and you know be a, a good part of a of a defense because he's not old. He's still like I said, he's twenty seven. So it kind of fits the mold of of what you're building here with this team. And if you go get him, then you can find then you can spend a little bit, maybe a little bit more up front and on a forward. So um, I think that that's a, that's a, a direction that the Flyers could go in um, come July first. That kind of makes me nervous. Uh, spending around, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like spending around four million puts him in the Gostas Bear range, and you've got a contract coming up next year with uh, Provorov. That's certainly going to break the bank at, at least a bit. Um, I don't know, man. Like with with so much depth coming out of the minors, I'm not so sure that I, I'm looking to sign a guy that's only going to be a second pair defenseman. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Provorov's contract next contract is going to break the bank because he's so young. Like his next, he's a restricted free agent, right? So he can't. He doesn't have. He's not going to become a UFA for a few more years. So, like you can, yeah, you, know, you can kind What's of he in line for. Like what, uh, what's he in, what's he in line for as far as as money yeah. for after once once he's restricted? I mean, you can you can kind of get by, like you don't have to give him. I mean, he's you can probably give him one point five. I mean, you only have to qualify him at ten percent more than what he's currently making, right? So he's making eight hundred ninety four thousand. You know, you really only have to qualify him at like nine fifty. So I mean, you know, you give him you give him a little bit extra. You sign him at you know one point five, and you sign him for two years or you know whatever and and you get away with it so i mean yeah provorov's he's gonna get a raise but he's not gonna get you know i don't think that they're gonna start paying him big money just yet i mean he's so maybe 2021 20, 22 is when yeah that's when okay. you got to really worry about about his money you know so um, with the honor is is your proposal that it's a short-term deal or is this something that you would look I, I think for for like th- four or five years three or four i mean okay. you know you don't have to i mean nobody's giving out six-year contracts anymore i mean nobody really is i mean you might get you might see one or two come out but it's so five is like really the max that anybody's going to give anymore um so i think three to four years is is fair so that would mean that for the next two years you would have a defensive core of what mcdonald gossip bear gudis unless you trade him provorov maybe haig and sanheim plus dahan one of those guys sits in the box right i'm not sure gudis is going to be here um I think Phil Myers is close. Um, yeah, you got McDonald, you got Ghost, you got Provorov, Haig, 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 Myers, and Sanheim. I mean that that rounds you out to to six. Yeah, I'm, I'm not certain. I'm not certain that Myers makes the team out of camp, but I think that like he's close enough that he would be the first guy that comes in. So I think if you bring in a veteran guy, um, I wouldn't be surprised if if like Haig becomes your seven. Okay. 
know what I'm saying? There, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if there's any kind of an offer that could be made. And I, I, look, I think Andrew McDonald, to some extent, kind of improved the data is wrong. But I think that, you know, people like me who couldn't figure out why he was playing top pair defense uh, minutes, I, I don't think that he should be a top pair defenseman. I think that would be a, a poor strategy by Dave Haxtall. But as somebody who can, you know, I, I guess show younger guys in the locker room the, the way to, to be a professional or whatever and, and, you know, at least be reliable on the defensive the, in the defensive end, like I, I guess McDonald has value, but not at five million. I'm wondering if there's yeah, a team yeah. out there that that might consider, a, you know, a draft day deal. Um, you know, maybe it's a swap of picks or something. Where you know, it, obviously, I think you're going to have to give up value in order to cut bait with a five million dollar cap hit. But I'm wondering, you know, it's it's only the uh, the contract is only good through uh, what is it? 1920 is the last year of the deal. Five million cap hit for two years. Is there a team that looks to you know solidify their defensive core or another young team that's looking to build? You know, is this the, a moment for like a Carolina Hurricanes to I, I don't know try to piece things together? Is it is it a uh, a situation where he goes out west and kind of works with a young core and you know it's it's uh, you know helps them get to the salary floor whatever that team is and you know kind of helps solidify things and and kind of helps the Flyers in in taking you know the biggest cap hit on defense out of their. Uh, out of this strategy, you know, going forward. That sounds fantastic, but the the thing of it is, is I would guarantee you that Hextall, for the past couple of years, has tried to unload that contract and hasn't been able to. So I don't know. Maybe if it gets closer. I mean, the thing of it is with McDonald's contract is if if he was a, if this was his last year coming up, I think it would be easier to get rid of it. I think he's easier to move next year because it only have one year left at five million, and a team that's rebuilding would wouldn't mind taking in a veteran guy like that on your roster. Um, on their roster, I think McDonald is your is on your team for one more year, and I think it's just has that's just you know the nature of the contract. I don't, I, I guarantee you, Hextall's come up with a couple of things like this, and hasn't been able to to make it happen yet. So I, you know, you settle for Andrew McDonald on your roster. He's not going to kill you. He's you're right. He's not a top pair defenseman, and nor is he worth five million dollars. But if you if you could take the the five million dollars out of the equation. And just say, is Andrew McDonald uh, an NHL quality defenseman? He is. Further down, he probably belongs on your third pair and can fill in on your second pair. He can play some penalty kill and be fine. He's got a pretty heavy shot when he decides to shoot the puck. Um, I think that he's he's a serviceable guy in that regard. Um, and, and I just think that so many people get caught up in the fact that he's got a bad salary and that he was playing some top minutes with Provorov at the beginning of the year last year. Um, and I think that that's where everybody kind of got caught up in it. But I mean, he he belongs on the roster, and there there's no question about it. And you know, if anybody says that he doesn't, it's because they are just foolish. I mean, they just want to just say, "Oh, play all the kids all the time." He just he just can't always do that. He he belongs on the roster further down, and, and he will be fine. And for one more year, I think that's going to be the case. I don't want our free agent um, extravaganza to end on a uh, an Andrew McDonald potential down note so let me ask this what if what are the odds that uh james van reamsdyke is at least given a any kind of a significant look by the team again i don't know I if think i it... honestly i don't know if i'd if i'd really want him back i'm assuming that he's going to make probably somewhere around what six million there's probably a team that's going to try to throw him a five-year deal he might get six and a half to be honest with you um and he's 29 um he had a you know he's a he's a goal scorer but he doesn't give you much else besides that i mean 
and that you know I'm sure people will take him. He scored 36 goals and he averaged less than 15 minutes a game, right? Um, so I mean, he's power play guy. You know, he's but he's not a there great Rick Nash and James Van Riemsdyk. What could yeah. possibly go wrong? I know, right? Um, JVR is not he's not a guy who you can rely on to go play some PK. He's not a penalty killer guy. Um, so I mean, I don't I don't see it. I don't think they would um, consider that as a possibility. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see that as a as a thing. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple of other guys who they might consider. Uh, like there's uh, there's no know. way that they they consider going way above the uh, market value and and try to bring in James Neal, right? No, like I don't I, think, I don't think Neal's gonna leave Vegas, but yeah, I I don't think he's I don't again I don't think he's a fit. Um, I, I, I mean, do you, do you go after a guy? I mean, you know, you're, you're going to hate these names, but do you go after a guy like Matt Calvert, um, who uh, played for Columbus this year and had a little bit of a down year, but in past seasons has been a good penalty killer, a good bottom six forward. Um, Eric fair, um, who, uh, was hurt. Um, but he's in the UFA, played with, with Washington for many, many years, was on the Sharks this year. Um, he's a cheap you know, fourth-line option, also kills penalties. Um, I mean, these are the kinds of players that I think ultimately they're, they're going to be looking at. Um, you know, Jay Beagle. You know, I, I think that's a possibility as well. You're scraping the bat, the bottom of the I'm barrel. Not, but I'm not. I mean, these guys are all going to get contracts. They're all going to end up on teams. Yori Laterra has a contract, Anthony. <laughs> it doesn't mean that that it's deserved, all right? Like, I'm just – you want them Yori. To... Someday I'm going to meet Yori, and I'm going to shake his hand, and I'm going to say, thank you for being a flyer. Yeah. And then he's Michael... going to look at me, and he's going to say, remember all those times you trashed me on Snow the Goalie? <laughs> yes, I listen. Yes, I left a five-star review, as anyone should who listens to that podcast. Yeah. Yeah, how about Michael Grabner? Does that does that interest Grabner you? actually would interest me because he scored twenty seven goals last year. No, right? no, no, no. Um, uh, yes, okay, that's probably it. I mean, look, I I think the team needs goal score. I think they need somebody who can actually you know put the puck in the back of the net. And I think that there were so many times in this season that that we ran into you know situations where it didn't seem like anybody wanted to pull the trigger on a shot. I'm not worried that Grabner is going to you know be the guy to to uh, you know be afraid to pull the trigger. And maybe it won't work out, and maybe it would end up, you know, he'd get caught out on an island multiple times, and we would, you know, smash our head through the glass. But I don't know. At at the right price, I wouldn't be opposed to Grabner. I don't yeah. want to spend it. I don't want to spend any more than like three and a half million on him, and I'm assuming he's going to get more than that. So I so no, then I don't. Yeah, I, I think his agent's going to his agent's going to get him some money because he scored 27 goals last year. He's not a he's that that's an outlier. He's not here's, that good of a player. But here's the thing, like. We've seen, kill, free, we've seen this in free. We've seen this in before. You know, if he waits, uh, you know, too late into the off season because he he thinks that his value or his agent thinks his his value is much higher than what the market dictates, and you're looking at it, you know, a few weeks prior to the season starting, and he doesn't have a have a deal, then maybe at that point, if you're the Flyers, you do consider a bigger money offer on a very short term deal. Uh, like, I, I don't know, maybe, possibly, um, maybe not. No, I, I wouldn't go there. I mean, he kills penalties, and he's he would you know where he would really help <laughs> the shootout. <laughs> he's okay. a he's a good We're shoot end the podcast right there. He's a good uh, shootout guy. Thanks, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, that's where he would help. I mean, but no, I I wouldn't. I I don't think that he's got. I don't think that the value is there. I mean, what he's going to be making because he scored twenty seven goals. 
I don't think he's worth $3 billion. I just don't see it. Um, who knows? Maybe the Flyers do. I, I don't see it. I just don't. All right. Um, I know that we had talked about trade targets a while back. Um, I, I think the number one guy in your list was Eric Carlson, a guy who had been you know, potentially on the move uh, in the last trade deadline. It was somebody that, you know, his name had been constantly uh, in in conversations. I'm I'm kind of I'm going back and forth because I, I don't really know how active the Flyers are going to be in the trade market for a vet. I feel like uh, as per a previous conversation we had, it's more likely that they try to combine some assets and move up in the draft. Um, maybe they swing a deadline deal or a, a, a draft night deal. Um I don't know if the Carl, I like, I can't, in my mind, I can't see Hextall letting go of the young pieces that it would require to get a guy like Carlson. I don't see him packaging like a uh, Philip Myers and a Sanheim or a Sanheim and, you know, a I don't Lindblom think it, or something. I don't think it would require you to trade a lot of the prospects you have now. Um, but I th- certainly think that the deal is, is potential is potentially there. Um, if you are willing to move those two picks in this draft coming up, the two first rounders at 14 and 19, and maybe even throw in a, a you know, a, a prospect, you know, that they can, you know, that you already have, but not like a top tier guy. Um, about 14, 19 and, and a window to negotiate the exclusive rights to Peter Morazic. That a- <laughs> no, that won't do it. I won't do it. That, that certainly will not do it. I mean, look, car, I, I mean, I would, I would really consider it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Carlson guy. I think, I think he could be and is, in a lot of ways, the best defenseman in the NHL. Um, so I, I would have zero problem moving those two picks, and then maybe, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I would throw them, I would give them Rupsov. I, I know they're not thrilled with Rupsov right now. He, been playing in the queue. He's averaging a point, a g- averaged a point a game this year, which is fine. But if you have a first round pick who's a center on a on a team in the uh, Quebec Hockey League, you expect him to be putting up a point and a half per game, almost to two points per game. Um, and, and the fact that he hasn't means that they, I think that they think he's a little bit behind. Um, they won't say that. They'll say all wonderful things about him. But um, I, like if I'm giving up one, two, and Rupsov to get if to get Carlson, I'd do it. <laughs> I, I I would do it tomorrow. Yes, for picks I'm okay. Yeah, all right. I'll I'll go it, along with it from that. I I think I'm just gonna have a hard time, you know, um, being separated from any of the prospects. Like I I don't want to see a Sandheim get dealt are. because I you know as you all are every everybody who's, falls who's, in love with the prospects. You. You people, all the fans—they fall in love with the prospects. No, yeah. Anthony, you shouldn't want to see them get rid of Sanhami either. He was our first guest on the podcast. I know he, is, he was. He is officially. I didn't, I didn't say that they're going to get rid of Sanheim. I, I never said that you said he was going was, to. They that's were going to get rid of him. I wasn't just, going there. Um, although I, I guess it's possible. No, it's not. <laughs> we're not getting rid of Travis Sanheim. He's going to be here for 15 years. He's going to be the captain, and he's going to he's going to lead us to six Stanley Cups. Everybody knows that, Anthony. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot where I was. Um, But no, so I, you know, I I I would do that. I would trade the the picks. So 14, 19, and Rubtsov. Yeah, I'd do it. You think that gets it done? You think that gets it done though? It could. It could. I mean, you're talking about three a a 19 year old guy who was a first round pick two years ago and two first round picks and a deep draft this year. I mean, you're talking about three first round quality players in exchange for a guy who's going to leave Ottawa after next season anyway, because he's going to be unrestricted. 
to me, that you know, that's that's good value for a, a guy on a, on the, in the final year of his deal. Yes. What is he going to fetch in terms of a a new contract? What's his cap hit going to end up being? Eight, um, nine. I think it will higher. depend on his. It'll depend on his season. When when you really think when it really comes down to it, I mean, you got to remember he has missed a little bit of time the past couple of years. Um, so there there is that injury factor that that has to be you know taken into into consideration. He um, he's twenty eight, going to be twenty nine. Um, I'd say uh, seven and a half. Seven seven and a half. It depends over, again. The over term six years, seven years. The, the term also depends a lot. I mean, that's yeah. I mean. That seven makes me nervous. Years. That makes Six, me nervous. Seven years. I well, you know what? I would, do, but I would do it. Now, I would do, you do need it. To do, now, if you're the Flyers, do you need to do it with the understanding that there is going to be a new contract, or is this something that like you? Really, oh, abso- you roll- absolutely. You don't. You don't. You don't roll those dice and 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 hope that <laughs> hope that that's it. I mean, you've you've probably talked to the agent in advance. And said, "Okay, what's it going to take to sign your guy and not go into free agency? Like, what's it going? What is it going to take?" And so, like, and then you, and then you work from there. I mean, it's certain. You know, anybody who thinks that the general managers and the agents don't talk all the time and just throws things out like that to kind of figure it out. I mean, they do. Who was the guy <laughs> you know? that the Flyers traded for the exclusive negotiating rights to a bunch of years ago? Was it Nashville? Was it was it Hamhui? Ham Hamhoos, Stan Hamhoos. Hamhoos, yeah. Hamhoos. Yeah. And then they didn't get and it, they traded and, it, and they traded his rights to Pittsburgh and it didn't work out there either. <laughs> and Hamhoos ended up signing with Vancouver. Um uh yeah, so I mean, you know, I mean, you see what happens. Uh, here's th- this is one thing that perplexed me and I was thinking about it in the car today and it was something that obviously you and I never had the opportunity to talk about because uh well, you know, we weren't doing a podcast then, but why do why don't more NHL teams submit offers for restricted free agents? The the it, one it, like the, the one situation that that I constantly come back to is Ryan Suter, and uh, oh my God, why is the guy's name escaping me? Shea Weber. Shea Weber. Yeah. They were both they were both RFAs for Nashville. They could have like like the thing that I think drove me nuts that off season was you could have potentially put an RFA. Uh, um, contract offer on the table for both of those guys at the exact same time and you didn't and by staggering them like you did uh it it led you to a situation where shea weber you know they ended up matching the poison pill contract offer and then you obviously missed out on parisian suitor that that season like why don't more teams do it and especially if if a team has two rfas that are you know um you know looked at as as very good players why don't teams put down multiple offers uh for you know, guys on the same team. So there is. This, you want to. Talk, this is going. You're going to be annoyed by this, but um, there is Why a. Do you assume I'm going to be annoyed by because because I know I know you, Russ. You're going to be annoyed by this. There is a handshake agreement in hockey that you don't pilfer each other's restricted free agents, and it just doesn't happen. And it happens once in a blue moon, and then everybody gets pissed off at each other. Like the National Predators were fuming at the Flyers that they made the offer that they made to Shea Weber because they had no choice but to match it. They had to match it, and it really put them in a in a bind um, uh, as far as financials were concerned. 
So, I mean, it just doesn't happen because, and I don't, I, there's no other explanation for it other than that. It's just what it is. And I don't agree with it. I mean, if it's, if it's a it's thing, dumb. if it's an, if it's, it's a, if dumb. there's a, you negotiated yes. it with the players association. It's in the CBA. It, yes. Use the mechanism. That's just dumb. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know there's it's a, it, the NHL is a very um, incestuous uh, organization. It's a very Targaryen. It, organization, yeah, it is. It's very. It's a good old boy network, and nobody wants to upset anybody because everybody changes jobs so much, and you always want to have the opportunity to still be out there that you can work for another team and blah 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 blah. So you're not going to be that kind of guy. And it's funny, my first day um, at the uh, Flyers when they hired me was the day that Shea Weber was brought in to to check out the facilities. And so I get there, and there's, there's Shea Weber. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just starting to work for the team, and all of a sudden I'm seeing this this restricted free agent is around. And I'm told, you can't tell anybody. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just came from the media where something like this would be like the greatest thing ever, the greatest scoop ever. And now here I am here, and I can't tell anyone that I'm seeing Shea Weber <laughs> interviewing with the with the team and potentially coming here. He really wanted to be a flyer. He didn't want to go back to Nashville at the time. Uh, it's one of the reasons why they went, went and turned around and traded him to Montreal for P.K. Subban because um, Weber, even though he said all the right things publicly – was not a big fan of being in Nashville. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and the Flyers, they had the chutzpah then to do it. They didn't care what anybody else thought. Um, but that was under that was under Snyder, and, um, you know, he would say, go do it, do whatever you can to win. And you just don't have that mentality right now. I mean, because it's, it's, a, different, it's a different thing. I mean, just the way Hextall is approaching it is a much more, you know, slow and steady wins the race process. So, um, yeah, but it was, that was an, that was an interesting time for sure. I remember where I was when I found out that the, uh, the predators had matched that offer sheet. I was standing outside of the concession stand. I worked at, at the John Fitzgerald Kennedy pool and aquatic complex in uh, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I had just got done flipping some burgers, dropping some mozzarella sticks into, uh, some very old oil. And I stepped outside for a moment uh, I believe I had a uh, like an LG Voyager at the time. It was like one of the the phones where it it slid one way and like flipped the other, uh-huh. uh, like the with the uh, the full QWERTY keyboard. Yep. And I just remember kind of pulling it up on there, and I had very limited data at the time, and I kept refreshing ESPN through all of the text notifications that I was going to go over my data limit, and I didn't care because the Flyers were going to get Shea Weber, and it was going to change the uh, the course of flyers history and it was going to be great and then i got a phone call from a buddy when my phone wouldn't you know uh go past my data limit that now shea weber is going to uh is going to be staying in nashville and then i thought how do you get him out you know at that point like does he play for a year and then do you try to make a trade you know a year into that deal and all i kept thinking about and it was it was like the most psychotic thing i think i've ever done I was. I just remember flipping burgers, and as I was, I would just go poison pill, the poison pill, the poison <laughs> pill. They tried to to serve up Nashville a poison pill, 
and Nashville had to match. Again, that's why, like, I, I keep coming back around to this, and it, it again, like, this is the thing that haunted me the most about that offseason, but I didn't, they ended up after, um, after Weber's uh, offer sheet got matched, didn't the Flyers put out a, uh, a an offer sheet to Suter, and then that, that didn't get accepted? He went elsewhere, right? No. They didn't put out an offer to him? Really? No. No, there was, there was there was there was talk about it, but it didn't, never actually okay. came to be. Okay, yeah, they were they were immensely disappointed. They they structured that contract in such a way that they didn't they thought that Nash, there's no way Nashville matches this, and then and then Nashville did. Um, so it was it, it, it was structured. It was so it was ingenious. I mean, you got to give. I guess Barry Hanrahan was the guy. Um, who's the assistant GM who's in charge of contracts still is for the flyers. Um, got to give him a lot of credit because the way he put that contract together, it really looked like there's no way in hell that this team is going to match this. Nashville doesn't have the wherewithal to match this contract. And then they did. Um, and then they realized that if they were ever wanted to be competitive again, they needed to move that contract. And so they did, they moved it to Montreal for Subban. Um, and then, lo and behold, <laughs> they became a Stanley Cup finalist, and they had the best record in hockey this year. And it's because they were able to get rid of the Shea Weber contract um, that the Flyers drew up for them. Um, and now Montreal saddled with it. So it's really kind of interesting how that all came to, came to be. Um, and it was it was a poison pill, and they swallowed it. Um, but they were able to they were able to find the antidote. What is that? <laughs> You talking to me? What was that? What was what? Didn't you hear that sound? It sounds like something on your end. What, what? <laughs> what was that sound? I don't know. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> okay. You didn't hear anything? No. Was it your clock? Is your clock? No, uh... it wasn't the clock. No. No. It sounded All like right. fireworks. It just kind of just happened. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's that? I could take this out, but why would I edit it out? It's a great moment. Um <laughs> I know that we wanted. We talked about potentially getting into the draft. I'm, I think we should hold off. Well, we'll save the, it. I we'll think save the Shea Weber stuff is a, uh, a depressing enough note to kind of end on. <laughs> yeah, we can and, save the draft because uh, the draft's coming up on the 22nd, and I think um, there's going to be a, um, a media availability to talk about the draft before we, we, would, we would meet again. So um, I think that it's probably worth waiting to talk about. You know, you know I can give you my uh, early you know, read on the draft, but it would probably be better to hear it um, when they, uh, uh, you know, after Hextall talks to the media. So. All right. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, uh, you know, next week, hopefully, hopefully sooner, we will get this thing worked out with the guest uh, yes. who will hopefully, you know, bring some, uh, some legitimacy uh, in terms of opinions on, the Flyers and Flyers-related things. We'll see if it happens or not. It should. If it doesn't, uh, I know that we are uh, also in talks with uh, at least a group of people and then potentially another uh, pretty large name that uh, we've talked about potentially bringing in as a guest for the podcast. So uh, those things should all be working out. I, I have a, a really, you know, a weird feeling that uh, one of these dominoes is going gonna, is gonna to fall and then all the other ones are just going to go into place. And we're going to go from, you know, weeks of saying, yeah, there's going to be a guest coming on to like three straight weeks of guests. <laughs> with, a, with a ton of guests, right? Which is fine. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's A-OK -okay with me. Yeah, that's OK. 
It'll happen. Uh, here's since uh, you and Bob like to do the uh, the across the league kind of wrap up on crossed up. I was just uh, perusing one last thing. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was uh, perusing the interwebs and I saw that uh, it, it's not hockey related at all. But Kevin Durant surprised a bunch of kids that he mentored from the boys and girls clubs uh, in California, and uh, he told them that he's going to pay for their first year of college. So that's that's nice. That's, that's nice awesome. Moment. That's, That's great. great. That's yeah. really good stuff. It's over. Uh, let's see. He he committed over $13 million to community causes this year. Uh, and I guess that doesn't include the money that he's going to pay for these kids to go to college. But that's great. That's using a, an awesome platform and using money and all that. Hey, here's here's a fun little hypothetical, Anthony. So since the uh, Eagles were uninvited from going to the White House, yeah, wouldn't it be swell if the Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup Trump invites them to the White House, they accept, and he has to shake Alex Ovechkin's hand and says, Alex Ovechkin, great American athlete, one of the best, fantastic. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? What if he called him Alex Oven Chicken, fantastic, I love chicken, I love it fried, I love it baked, Yeah. I love it in little nuggets. Oven chicken, huh? Oven chicken, fantastic. <laughs> Russ, you, you've, you've, you've gone off the deep end, pal. Yeah, it's... <laughs> That's the you end. just you needed to sneak in a Donald Trump impersonation, and you end. felt you felt that if calling Alex Ovechkin Alex Oven Chicken was the way to go to do that. Oven Chicken, yeah, it's fantastic. Speaking of awesome. other things that are fantastic, don't forget to go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossing Broadcast, which is uh, uh, either Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, usually two out of three, sometimes three out of three, sometimes one out of three, sometimes none out of three, but we. Uh, we bring you the finest in all Philadelphia sports, Monday, Wednesday, and sometimes Friday, or sometimes when you get it. Uh, there's also Crossed Up with Bob uh, Bob Wankel and Anthony, which you should go listen to. It is the best, the number one Phillies podcast in the entire world. If you don't believe me, go check iTunes. Uh, it, it corroborates that fact. Uh, also, there is It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid. Over the weekend, he had Philadelphia Union great Sebastian Latou on at his house uh, for a special 50th episode uh, edition of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. And on Crossing Broad FC, Phil and I broke down the uh, UEFA Champions League final, and we began to kind of look ahead to uh, some club things that are going to be going on uh, in the fall. There is going to be some big news coming out about the two soccer podcasts and a little bit of a collaboration going on, especially with the FIFA World Cup coming up. And I believe it's eight days at this point, which is are you guys like going to do like a, a, like four of you together on the same podcast? Whoa, whoa. don't go, don't go uh, getting ahead of yourself here, Anthony. What do you want to going to be part of that roundtable? We'll make it a roundtable for no. you there, pal. I, are you I gonna went, watch? I had my I had my soccer fill when I went to the Union a couple weeks ago to see them beat Real Salt Lake. Yep, there you go. Enjoy that. Yeah, it was it. I, it I was got great, my right? I got my soccer fill in. I was Do you awesome. watch the World Cup at all? Um I have. I mean yeah the two the two countries I had interest in, <laughs> neither neither one of them are there. <laughs> the US and Italy? Yes, of course. Okay. Are yeah, you I'm, are you an FBI? Are you a full blooded Italian? Anthony? I am a full blooded Italian, yes. All right, so you don't even 100%. have another team to cheer for. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I, and I'll tell you, my old neighborhood down in uh, Overbrook in West Philadelphia, the, when Italy won a few years back, they went crazy. I mean, they they were like turning cars over. They 2002? Were, well, I don't remember what year it was. 
you're making me you're gonna go way anyway, back continue sorry yeah i mean they, they were like you know rolling you know waving flags marching in the street you know honking horns like it was like the greatest thing ever i'm like dude seriously it's just the world cup <laughs> and we it's live in just we, the world cup and we live in philadelphia like come on but that's all right you make me really sad sometimes you know that i'm <laughs> like seriously i mean it's it, 2006 <laughs> do you remember what happened in the uh in that that final why italy ended up winning who was the uh, the all time great who delivered a headbutt? Zenadine Zidane. Zenadine Zidane, baby, and or you whatever. know who he uh, up he until just, a week ago was. He managing? was the head coach of 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 uh, was it Real Madrid, and he just Real walked Madrid. away. Yeah, he just walked away after winning three consecutive Champions Leagues, and uh, Real Madrid overall have now won four of the last five. But what would I know? I'm just a a fan of Los Blancos, Los Merengues. It's it, just are, are you impressed that I knew this stuff? I am. I'm very impressed by you, Anthony. You're a worldly man. You are a very cultured man. Uh, I, I, I like I tell people all the time. I know a little bit about a lot. There you go. A <laughs> uh, a jack of all trades, a master of none. All exactly. right. Anyway, exactly. On that bombshell, it's time to end. Uh, thanks again for listening. And as always, don't forget to go wander over to iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Leave a, re- a review. A five-star rating is swell, but a five-star rating plus a review is great. We'll read it on the show. Love us. Hate us. Leave that five-star, and we'll read it on the show. Uh, until next week, or until we are able to uh, uh, procure that fantastic guest who I know is listening to Episode 8 of Snow the Goalie, uh, I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. That's Anthony Sanfilippo at Ant San Philly. Hit us up on Twitter, and uh, we'll be back soon to bring you the best Flyers content this side of the Mississippi.